Hello, my friend. You are tuned into a brand new episode of Tide Pod. And today we are joined by someone that I am pretty positive is going to be capturing your attention in all of the best ways. So today we have Ashley Kirkwood, who is an international speaker, best-selling author, and award-winning lawyer. She believes that you should use the currency of confidence to create a life custom designed for you. And in fact, that happens to be the title of her signature talk that she's performed at colleges and corporations nationwide. She's helped so many different types of people, whether it's doctors, other lawyers, entrepreneurs, consultants, DEI experts, everyone really learn how to package and position their expertise so that they too can land large corporate and collegiate speaking contracts using her proprietary paid methodology. Look, I know I said a lot because this woman brings a lot to the table, and that is the type of person that we love to have on the show. So I need you to do what we do here in the Typod community. Go ahead and grab your notebook, get settled in, because I have got a feeling that this is going to be one of those episodes where you are going to be taking some things away and putting into action ASAP. All righty. Hello, my friend, it's Tiana Tai, Team Dynamics Consultant and trained industrial organizational psychologist, helping you to become a better leader than your last boss. And right now you are tuning in to the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs building and leading teams, hiring, onboarding, management, or maybe you just want some general advice about building your business. Well, let me assure you, you are in the right place. So go ahead, crack open a fresh notebook because you are listening to Typod. Today's episode is brought to you by Dubsado. Let me let you in on the world's best little secret. Dubsado is one of those systems that has literally reshaped and revamped the way I do business on a daily basis. It is one of my top three to die for systems that help things run smoothly on the back end. My team uses Dubsado daily for client management. It keeps us organized, on track, and serving our clients at the highest level possible. I am not lying when I say about 70% of what my team has been able to automate with a system, y'all know I teach about that all the time, is automated in Dubsado. Yes, client onboarding, I mean, come on. Now you know. I'm not going to talk so highly about this and leave you hanging. I have got a partnership with Dubsado that's going to save you 20% on your first year. You can simply go to the website and use code TIANA20, that's tianna two zero to save 20% on your first year of Dubsado. Let me tell you personally, it is worth the investment. It literally changes everything. All right, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. I would love to just kind of pass the mic over to you and let you give us the spiel, the spiel of who you are, how you came to be here, all of the good stuff. Yes, absolutely. So I'm really excited to be here. My name is Ashley Kirkwood. I own a company called Speak Your Way to Cash, where we help speakers, entrepreneurs, experts, and thought leaders land paid speaking engagements. I'm also an attorney, an IP attorney, and have founded a firm that helps with IP. And so I like to say, let me teach you how to land a five or six figure corporate speaking contract and then allow one of our legal partners or my firm protect the IP. Ooh, we love that. I love the fact that you guys kind of can approach it from both ways since you have approached it from both ways in your career. 
Yeah, definitely. It works out. (laughs) (laughs) So whenever I think about speaking and all of that, I know that the last couple of years, to be honest, for a lot of people who had those ambitions kind of threw a wrench in everyone's plans. I'm curious what your experience has been with that and kind of how that's impacted the way that you all are showing up and speaking and, and being in confidence the way that you teach. Absolutely. Well, you have to be comfortable with virtual. But during this pandemic, we actually took on um, a cohort of clients through our program, Speak Your Way to Cash Academy, and we were able to help several of them land lucrative speaking contracts. And they just did everything virtually. And frankly, I think the pandemic kind of allowed people to see the value of virtual over and beyond what they're used to. So typically you do a live speech, the client would sometimes come in with their recorders and their cameras and say, hey, we're gonna record this speech. Well, when it's virtual, because we know how valuable virtual is, what I taught my clients was you give them one fee for the live and then they can upsell the licensing of that speech. So if they need to replay it over and over again for their employees nationwide, they should be paying you a licensing fee for that. And you can time limit it. So seven days, 30 days, a year, whatever it may be. So for us, I thought that this has been a more lucrative time period because you actually have more control. For a lot of my clients, I set up the entire event. So I will give them my Zoom link. I control what's recorded and what's not. I control, you know, who's coming in. I'm having their, sometimes I even have their employees or their members, if it's an organization or an association, register via my webinar link. I collect all of that data. I'm able to easily get reviews. I think you have a lot more control as a speaker with the virtual platforms. Um, And clients differ. Some won't allow you to host everything yourself, but by your contract, you can state, what needs to happen with that recording, what can and can't happen with your intellectual property. And that's why it's important for them to sign your contract that's hopefully well-drafted so that you have control over all those parameters. So we have been able to still help speakers get paid to speak. Some have done really well. One of our clients went from barely being paid to speak to landing a six-figure corporate speaking contract. In addition to that, landed several five-figure contracts within the same year, all of which or all of which were predominantly performed virtually. So I don't think that it's been a problem. I do think that you have to have there's two mindsets. One was, man, live speaking is gone. Darn it. I guess it's over for me. The other mindset was, okay, how do we leverage virtual? How do I leverage licensing? How do I create a process and a sales process that shows not only will I do a great virtual speech, but my lighting is good. My camera is good. You can see me. You can hear me. What can you do to creatively connect with people um, in a virtual space? So it just virtual events are set to grow more than 20 percent year over year over the next five years. They're not going anywhere. And when people do go back in person, I foresee a lot of events being hybrid. So there's still for sure opportunities and can't I mean, business has to still get done, which means consultants, speakers and experts will still be needed. (laughs) So I'm laughing because I'm sure that our listeners, their minds are buzzing the same way that mine is with all the questions, all the, wait a second, so much goodness just got dropped. So, okay, let me start, I think at the beginning. We're, ta- we're sitting here talking about generating like uh, those connections and building your own expertise in being a speaker with corporations, with colleges and whatnot. And so how... Let's take it back all the way to the beginning. How can the average entrepreneur, consultant, someone who does have expertise, proven expertise, start to transition and do this work? Let's start there. 
Well, you'll need to package. One of the things we we put out a book, it's called Speak Your Way to Cash, how to start at the top of the speaking market instead of working your way up from the bottom. And a lot of my colleagues in the industry were like, I mean, you got to work your way up or how are you going to tell them they can start at the top? What about all this? Well, if you're already an expert, if you're already a corporate hero, like I, I like to call you guys, we're still working the nine to five, but have aspirations. I consider it to be a corporate hero because being in corporate ain't easy. Um, I will say you've already gained the experience. So you need to stand on top of that experience. And what the work that you need to do is packaging your expertise in a way that corporations can buy it. We lay out a pretty, we have a, um, a process that's called the PAVE methodology. And it's our framework, it's uh, trademarked, where we teach you how to set that up. And the first part of that, the P is press. And this is like part two of the book. And we go into how you land press features, where you are talking about your expertise. Because in corporate, it's not, I, I did a live about this earlier today. On the internet, you know, I have a Northwestern law degree, not a single small business client of mine asked where I went to law school. They were like, girl, that live you did was fire. I love, but in corporate, they like that. They like that law degree over there. <laughs> they like that Northwestern brand over there. So if you're going to go into corporations and say, hey, I'm the preeminent expert on this, they need proof. It ain't like the internet, okay? So that means you want to develop a press plan where you're on television, ideally, or you're writing an op-ed about your expertise, giving these corporate leaders advice. So that's a really good way to start positioning yourself as someone who is who they say they are. After that, you need to assemble your offer. That's the A. So this is part three of the book. We talk about what components you can put into your six-figure offer. And then I talks about how do you start inviting people to work with you? You need a sales process. Not just, I'm going to get out there and sell some stuff, a step-by-step -step process that your company follows every single time you want to do business with someone so that eventually you can pass it off. One good, well, you'll appreciate this because of what you do, but one thing that I see is people are very sporadic and then they can't get help in their business because it's sporadic. You don't have a sales process. There's not like, we do these 15 things <laughs> in order to get clients. It's like, I don't know. I go live. I do this. I didn't like you need a process. How are you going to get people on your list? How are you going to consistently sell to them? How are you going to warm them up? So in the invite section, we talk about that. That's an important um, piece of it. And then D, you need to deliver a really good speech and really good customer service. I call this having a customer map. You need a process by which after. So your sales process is how you're going to sell to them. And we can talk about some things that we do to sell to them. And then once they are a client, once they say yes, what's your process for that? Because I've also had people, I won't say no names, that I've worked with and they're like, I don't know if this will work. I'm just dabbling with Ashley Talks About. And they start dabbling in it. Like they read the book and they're like, you're not going to believe this. Someone booked a call. And I'm like, no, I am going to believe that because that's exactly what the book is supposed to teach you to do. So people book calls. They're like, well, I didn't plan for this. Like, So what if they say yes? And then they get even more freaked out because they're like, oh my God, they said send a proposal. What do I do? They signed the contract. What happens now? You need a process. Like you should have steps that happen so that someone on your team, even if you don't have a team now, the goal is whatever I do in my company, make it process oriented so that someone else can do it. So it's not 100% tied to me because this is administrative after the sales call and after um, them signing the contract outside of you delivering the speech or you delivering the consulting services, it's administrative, getting, getting your W-9, for instance, finding out what their vending process is, and all of that needs to be documented and written down. But the way you start is by, um, I think, 
I would say you have to figure out what your topic is generally. And outside of that topic, you need to have a framework. And then you want to go through the, the elements that we talked about in the paid methodology. Look, so for those of you who need to rewind and take your notes all over again and make sure you didn't miss any of that paid methodology acronym breakdown, go ahead, but also just go get Ashley's book, duh, so that you can have the full breakdown for how to go about doing this work. I love, I, first of all, I barely know you. We haven't been in each other's orbit for very long, but I just love listening to the way that your mind works and the way that I think it it does people a disservice sometimes when people are like, oh, well, let's just go out and start your speaking career. Like pick a topic, put it out yeah. there. It's going to be great. You're going to generate millions. Wonderful. And they don't anchor people in with, okay, but let's also make sure we have a sales process and a backend process and what we do after the event and how we make sure we get, you know, testimonials or feedback from our audience or what have you. So I love the fact that you've fully wrapped this in a way that's going to teach people a sustainable way to do this. And I think the key word that you said was sustainable. A lot of us um, in the the online entrepreneurial space, one thing that I saw is that people are sometimes addicted to the easy. So it's like the marketing that attracts people be like, hey, get a speaking engagement in 10 days, get your first engagement in 10 days, get your first engagement in 30 days. And I've seen these challenges, like get your first paid speech and blah, 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 make six figures. And it's like, you're just going to attract people who can't sustain. The truth of the matter is, is I want to repel people who can't sustain. I don't, I don't want to hype you up to think that what I do is easy. It's not. One, I'm an expert. That's the first. So most people are going to drop off right there. Okay. You got to know something about something well enough to teach others who do the thing that you're teaching about it. So if you're a marketing expert, you need to know marketing. If you're going to go into these organizations and say, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do marketing. Well, they do marketing every day. So you need to make sure you really know what you're talking about. But soft skills count too. So you may be someone who's extraordinarily resilient. Great. But you still need proof about resilience. And it's not just, can I share a good story? But what's your formula to create resilience in others? That's where having a proprietary framework comes in. And that's where sometimes people drop off because they're like, I just want to share my story. And I'm like, that's fine. But that's not what I do here. (laughs) Like we don't because we want people to have tangible takeaways from every single thing that we do in organization so that they can track and measure. Before I went to her presentation, I didn't feel very confident. I didn't even have a framework for growing confidence or for overcoming imposter syndrome. After I now know the steps to take to overcome imposter syndrome for the topics that I speak on, or if it's sales, same thing. I didn't really have a process. I was letting rejection get me down. Now I have a framework for how to deal with rejection appropriately and follow up with leads. But you got to have that expertise. It's not, there's nothing easy. The people who are selling you the 30 day, blah, blah, blah. It ain't even easy for them. They're running ads. They're paying someone to do those ads. Like those people are pretty much lying to you. And if they're not lying to you, here's what they're doing. They're allowing you to get this one little result so quick. But once you realize that all that effort you took to get that one result, you got to do over and over and over and over again to build a sustainable business, you'll likely fall off that way too. So just people got to know it ain't easy. It is for me a great retirement plan because whereas I do all this work up front to get a corporate client, I was telling my girlfriend this earlier, I don't lose, I don't, I've never lost a corporate client. So I've never had a client that was like, 
All right, well, we hired you once, we'll never hire you again. They're so big that their issues keep compounding that I'll always be able to help them in some way, shape or form. So it's more work on the front end, but the, the payout is larger and the relationship can grow. Whereas if I was only selling like, I don't know, $10 eBooks, for instance, You'll buy that ebook once, but I don't know what your ascension path will be long term. Ooh, okay. Don't drop the mic on us now. And just just to validate what you just said, the proof is in this conversation right here, right now. For those of you who missed it, because Miss Ashley here already shared a framework with you all that you can refer back to time and time again. And guess what? This was a free podcast. This isn't even like the main talk. This isn't the main event. Right. So can you imagine? what it is to actually show up in your full expertise for paid engagements. So I just loved it. I had to point out the fact that you are literally living the advice that you are giving them right here, right now. I appreciate that. Yeah, I see you. I see you. So <laughs> I'm curious from your perspective as someone who does, you know, wants to instill the confidence, of course, but doesn't want to boost everybody's head up and give them unrealistic expectations. Can you share a little bit around the reality of incorporating speaking at this level as a very real and sustainable income stream in your business and kind of what you've seen with yourself, with your clients, so on and so forth? Definitely. So what I saw with myself, and I think back to when I first started speaking for pay anywhere, I was pitching really consistently and I could gauge the success of my business on the number of conversations I had every week with prospects. So when I was having three to five calls per week with people who had opted in to have a call with me and they knew that I was going to talk to them about my services, the, the, the business was very healthy. So when I look at my clients and I'm like, all right, well, how many calls are you having every single week? And this isn't, and I say in the beginning and I'm using was because what you do to get your initial $100,000 in speaking contracts, you won't necessarily have to do that level of it again because you'll get referrals, you'll get spinoff contracts, you'll get this different business. And then you, you'll know like, okay, well, I want to I infuse the, the company with new business. So I'll go back to that. I'm going to do some more pitching. I'm going to do three to five calls a week. But you want to do three to five calls a week, and it may take you six months to land a contract when you're doing that consistently. And it's not always because maybe you didn't do something right, but companies, depending on the size and depending on the structure, they take their time. And if the issue you're solving isn't urgent, then you won't get paid fast for it. So unless you are, if you were a DEI expert in the midst of all of the protests, you were going to get your contract a lot faster than someone like me, for instance, if I was just talking about confidence, they're like, look, everything's on fire. People are leaving. People are quitting, like literally. Like, so it may be urgent right now. If you're a therapist and you speak on wellness, that's an urgent pressing issue because it's so hard to hire. We have more open jobs than we have people who are willing to work them. So at that point, they have to make sure the people that they have, they hold on to. So that's a very urgent and pressing issue. Um, and when it comes to clients being willing to pay you, you need them to be urgent. Like you need to be solving an urgent need for them and they need to be really clear about their need. And they also need to be clear that you are one of the only people in the world that can solve it. So your framework needs to be really well-defined because like I said earlier, the paid methodology, we have the registered trademark for that, the currency of confidence. We have the trademark for that love method of communication. We have the trademark for that. So if I talk to a client and they're like, oh, I love the love method of communication. Can you help us infuse that into our organization? Yes. And we're the only ones in the world that can because we developed it. We have the trademark. We created the assessments with our own team of instructional designers. So that is where 
that is a safer place to play because you're you're unique. Your topic isn't unique. It's not like a topic that they've never hired before, but the way you present the material should be really unique and specific to you. But you may be looking at a six-month runway to really get into corporations, start getting your first contract. And once that first one is in, it's a lot easier because then you can get referrals. You can go to all of that company's competitors and show them the case study for that first company. So it gets a lot easier after you get that first couple of contracts. But you know, give yourself six months of consistent effort. And the truth is, I mean, this may maybe sit some people back, but for me, if I have a goal, if I'm not willing to commit to it for the next decade, then it's not really a goal worth pursuing. So you got to look at, are you really willing to commit to a goal long-term? You'll see results well before that, but it's not, I'm not looking for a get rich quick thing. This for me is a legacy play to ensure that when I'm 60, I don't got to, you know, 60 plus, I don't have to get on and do five lives a week to sell to nobody. You know what I mean? I can make a call to John, head of HR at so-and-so, and and he can make sure that I get my contract renewed. I don't want to have to do as much as it takes to serve the clients that, frankly, we even we serve now long-term. So just thinking of how I want my life to look in 10 years, I do want it based on longstanding client relationships. That part. Like let's let's talk about longevity in this conversation, right? And so with that in mind, like we know that there are people who are very loud in all of our spaces, particularly in the online industry. And they share the flashy money promise and they share how quickly it can be accomplished. I'm just curious from your perspective, which I adore because it's tempered in, let's be realistic at the same time, people. Uh, what would you say for the person who's like, okay, I'm willing to have the six month runway. I'm willing to do the work, have a little bit of delayed gratification to start seeing some momentum, but they're curious as to like, I heard so-and-so talking about making this a six figure income stream in my business. Like when can I expect to hit that level? You know what I mean? So what would you say around timeline, around all the different factors that go into that? I'm just really curious. Everything's different. So we had a client that came into our academy. She landed her first six-figure contract within six or seven months of being in the program. We had another client who went from charging like two or $3,000 to getting her first $10,000 contract within about, I don't know if it was three or four months. Like we, we have clients who, who make money well before obviously a decade. I mean, I wouldn't even, I don't know if I'd be in business if I didn't have no results within, within a year's time or less. And then we did our event, Speak Your Way to Cash Live. It's an incredible event. We hosted the event. Within two weeks of the event, we had clients that secured $150,000 of contracts within two weeks of the event. That said, those same people came to that event like, all right, this is my topic, but now I know how to position it. And they went full throttle, full steam ahead and started pitching. What a lot of people don't realize is sometimes you're not getting the results you want in your business because you haven't asked enough people for money. The easiest thing for an entrepreneur to do is give me their revenue goal. The hardest thing for them to do is tell me how many, how much money they requested in a given month. So if I ask any entrepreneur, what's your revenue goal? Oh, six figures, seven figures. And I'm like, great. How much business did you pitch last month? Well, what you mean? How much money did you ask people to give you last month? Oh, I don't know. Well, then how are you going to reach that revenue goal? It doesn't make sense. So if you start pitching quicker and you're laser focused on what you want to do with our processes and systems, you should be able to see some results. But if your mindset is holding you back, if you need approval for every little move, it's going to be hard 
It's, it's, it's going to be hard because you can you can literally talk yourself out of action if your mindset isn't right. You're like, I don't know if I should send this pitch. I don't know if they'll accept it. All of that just stop. It literally is like, if this is the money goal and this is you, every time you tell yourself something negative, you're just taking a step back. Every time you take action, you're taking a step forward. But if every action you take, you battling internally about whether or not you're good enough, you're taking one step back, one step forward, one step back, one step forward. But the money goes right here. If you take action, it's not a matter of if it'll work. It's a matter of when. Because if it can happen for anyone, why wouldn't it be able to happen for you? Come on, y'all. Just just take a minute. Let that sink into your spirit. I've got to take just a quick second to ask you for a serious bit of support. TIPOD would not be possible without your reviews, your comments, and just all of the positive feedback that we've been receiving so far. So if you haven't already, please go on, hit subscribe to make sure you're not missing out on any of this good and free content, and also be sure to leave a review. You may think that I'm not looking at them, but I swear to you, my friend, I read every single review and it just makes my heart so happy. So if you haven't already done so, hit pause, leave a review, and then let's get back to the goodness. Okay. Whew. So I think I think I want to stay on the same theme, but approach it from a little bit of a different angle here, because a lot of our audience here in the Tidepod community, they have some level of support in place, right? Like one of the things we talk about the most on this show when it comes to my solo episodes and some BTS episodes is teams, leadership. How do we make sure we have the support that we need as we continue to grow and scale these online empires that we are out here building? And so I think you touched on it just a little bit earlier when you were talking to us about the paid methodology and making sure you have that uh, sales system really outlined when it comes to pitching and how you want to go about that. And so my question that I'm getting at in a very long-winded way is how have you seen teams really been involved in this process to make it a lot easier, smoother, you know, the CEO, the founder, the, the voice of the brand of the company is not necessarily the one out there doing all of the legwork. Definitely. So the first thing you need, and this is my opinion, if it's your first hire, I believe the first person you should hire is someone who can assist you in the sales process. Because at the end of the day, you have to have sales in your business. I mean, there's just no way around it. For me, team helped early on in my speaking career. I hired an admin before I had my first client. But her job was to assist with pitch activities. And her key performance indicators were based on how many pitches she sent out every week. So in the beginning, it was like, okay, did you send out 300 pitches a week? Did you schedule three to five calls this week? Did you follow up with people who responded in a timely fashion? Um, she was pitching me for podcasts, pitching me for press. It was just, it was a pitch roll, literally. And outside of the pitch roll, she also would schedule the meetings and do all of that. I don't, I mean, I don't know what your business is, but for me, it was like, and when I say you're, I mean, the people listening, for me, it was like, I, I didn't want just an admin so I could be like, oh, talk to my admin about booking this meeting. I need my admin helping me get in meetings booked that I wanted on my calendar because people will always want to meet with you. People want to meet with you. I, I, people, oh, can we meet? Can we network? Look, what's it about? What's the topic? What's the, because I can't, I can't waste time yet. When I am retired, 
and I am much older and I'm on my estate and my daughter and her husband or whatever, they coming over with the grandkids. I can waste time then. You know what I mean? Like I got time to waste. It's no big deal. I've accomplished what I'm set here to do. I have not reached that level of ease yet. So everything has to be purposeful, including every hire. And if the hire can't assist me on my journey to reaching and impacting more lives by way of pitching and selling, because let's be clear, pitching and selling helps me to reach and impact more lives, then I can't afford that hire yet. I So the pitching admin, that was critical. Outside of that, um, having a graphic designer, really important. Having someone who could make my website better, really important because I started my business, had a little janky website for speaking and I would send out these pitch emails via my CRM and I would notice that people would open the email, they would click on the link to my website and they would not book a call. And I was like, okay, this is telling me that this website is straight trash. So I got to get a better website. So then based on that, but, but to be clear, based on that janky website, we still landed paid engagements. We just didn't land all the engagements that I wanted. And when I was looking at my competitor's website, it was much better. So I'm like, okay, well, let me hire a graphic designer. But I'm in the beginning. So I couldn't um, I couldn't really afford like a $10,000 website. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. At every area in my business, my hiring plan would shift based on the income coming in. Everything had to make sense. I hired a coach early on. I hired a administrator early on. I hired a web designer early on, but the web designer was abroad. And that's when I started studying leveraging the global marketplace because, and I think, um, I know that I talk about this in the book too. I think it's chapter 17, actually, because we have a whole thing on, yeah, building your team, page 241, chapter 17. I I really studied the global marketplace heavily. And, and I started researching where I could hire the best because different regions have different customs. So I looked at where I preferred to work, where I could hire, um, where there was a lot of support around a certain uh, area. So in some countries, they have a lot of a lot of training in this and other like the Philippines. It's a there's a VA culture in the Philippines. But then you also have like a, a different culture in different places of the world. And then you look at the time zones. So we started hiring abroad pretty strategically and developed a system for hiring abroad. And a, a, I guess you would call it an application that helped weed out people that we really couldn't work with or that didn't have the writing skills that we need. But we started hiring, like based on what the data was showing me in my sales process, that's what I started hiring for. I didn't just hire all willy-nilly. It was like, all right, I need to pitch more people. Got to hire someone to pitch. I need a better website. Got to hire someone for that. I need um, coaching and advice because I started working with small business owners. So I wanted to have a coach that taught me social media marketing. And then at every area of our company now, we're doing more corporate work, but I like to show up and speak. So I hired an instructional designer to watch the recording of my client calls if needed, or talk to me about my client calls and design the presentation that I sold to the client based on our research and our frameworks. So now she handles that, kicks it to the graphic designer. They design the slides. I review the slides, kick it back to the instructional designer, and then I show up and give the presentation. So now we're cutting down my time. That way I'm saving money and I'm also improving my profit margins. So we, I always hire based on what I'm, the revenue streams that are coming in in my business and how I like to serve my clients. I don't just hire to hire. Right. It's always ROI driven or at least partially. So it's definitely a huge consideration, which yeah. is something we talk about here a lot. So we feel you around here. And um, a home team too. I didn't just hire for my business. I hired for my home. 
Ooh, people don't talk about that enough. They should, unless they want to do everything in their house. That's a waste. Look, I mean, to me, <laughs> I don't, I don't enjoy it. So, I mean, if you're out there, you're like, I love cleaning the toilets. <laughs> God, let's, you keep cleaning them toilets, sis, but I just don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's not my thing. I'm literally sitting here at the time of recording eight months pregnant, thinking about the fact that part of our registry was a fund for cleaners because I'm like, I'm not about to be out here playing these games. No, no, no. Especially when maternity leave in, when it ends. And I'm a first time mom, so I haven't experienced any of this before. And I'm like, oh, no. So this home team, that's why my eyes perked up when you said it, because it has been something that's like very much real and present in my mind and getting myself established. So I understand. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think women need to normalize. Everyone's like, normalize this. I thought we normalize getting nannies and getting help at the house, because I remember there was a time I talked to my mother-in-law and she's a homemaker through and through like really hardcore homemaker, six kids. My husband was five of six, like loved it. Loved the mom. Like she was in it, you know, that's her thing, but she loved it. Like loves it. Like she didn't, she never complained about it. It, It's just what she wants to do with her life. And she never made me feel bad about not taking that path. And I never make her feel bad about the path that she's taken. But what I noticed was, It's a full, even though she didn't work a corporate job, it was a full-time job, cleaning every day, making sure everyone was where they needed to be, providing emotional support. I mean, doing the laundry, folding laundry for six kids. I mean, seriously, that's a lot. Cooking, all of those are like five different jobs because when I hire for them, we got to hire a person to do the food, person to do the laundry and fold them, person to be a full-time nanny during the day while we work. A person to, we have a person who cleans our daughter's, um, there's a service that cleans our daughter's high chair when it gets really dirty. And they will literally meet you anywhere in the world. They should actually sponsor me. They meet, they meet you anywhere in the world and they'll like clean the car seat if you're on the go. They'll deliver like all these types of materials if you want to travel a lot with your baby. Like there's a system and a service for almost everything, but a home team is critical. And at the top is the full-time nanny. That's like, the best thing I ever did is hire a full-time nanny. I was so scared, but like, I can't go back now. <laughs> so again, for those of you listening, look, we could put all types of resources in the show notes for you, depending on what y'all want. But I personally, I want to hear more about this service that meets you all around the world. So we're going to have to talk offline about that for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's called Baby Quip for you all who want to know Baby Quip. You can rent, you know, we do a lot of traveling and with the baby, oh, you'll know this, so you know, when it's just you and your man, you go to the nice swanky hotels. When you got a baby, you're going to want a house. So we do Airbnb. And we recently done a trip with our uh, nanny. Praise came with us. She's incredible. And they met us at the Airbnb with a high chair, with a crib, with all of the things that she needs sanitized so that we didn't have to pack all that stuff or buy new ones every place you travel to. Talk about that. First of all, they should sponsor you. Second of all, talk about a business idea that I know that is 21st century. That's beyond. Okay. Sorry. So many parents want to, you know, you want to travel, you want to do your thing. And you know, like our whole, when we first had our daughter, it was like, and it was during the pandemic. So we're like, all right, how are we not? Cause we were determined. Everybody's like all that traveling y'all do. Uh uh. We're like, nope, we're going to figure it out. And we looked up all these services we have a, a, a stroller that we could take on the plane and it literally folds up into a bag and it fits in the overhead. 
So we never like we we got girl, we got some tricks, okay? So you can still live your life, but it does take help and services and just figuring out what really matters in life. Like I want to watch a movie with my husband when I'm done working. I don't want to cook necessarily or air fryer. I don't mind that. But like, but full on meals, three sides, like, uh, no. <laughs> oh man, no, I love every bit of it. I love every bit of it. Cause y'all know that's where my mind is these days. So for the person who's curiosity has been piqued. They're just like, okay, there is something to this speaking thing. I want to start this journey and really make it sustainable. There is one little technical question that I feel like we touched on, but I want to make sure we didn't gloss over it too much because that person was listening for the details. And they're like, Tiana, you said that y'all were going to get into this whole licensing conversation and what's going on with that. So earlier on, you mentioned, especially in the virtual context, uh, we have a lot more control over the way that we show up, the way that we speak. And then there's something, I'm just going to say something called licensing that can happen on the tail end of that. And so I know you described it, but can you quickly just define that specifically for people so they know exactly what you're talking about and really the benefit of looking into incorporating that into their speaking strategy? Yes. So licensing is a way to leverage assets that you own. And when I say leverage, it's like, you know, if you think of owning a house, you can rent it out. You can rent out a room in the house. You can rent the whole house. You could sell rights for someone else to rent the house. You can do all types of things like that. And with licensing, once you own an asset, like I own various trademarks, I could license the right to use any of those names. I am my own person. So me, I could take a picture and you could license the right to use my image on a flyer of yours. You can't just use it. If you're going to use my image, you have to license it out, pay for it, things like that. With speeches, if you do a speech, you can license because that's once you do a speech, it's an asset that you own unless you gave up that right by contract. And pro tip, most corporations will have you sign a contract saying that they own everything that you do for them. That's called a work for hire agreement. Like there's typically a work for hire clause in a lot of contracts like, oh, well, you know, you're my contractor. I own everything you do. Be very careful with that because like, for instance, we give speeches that are already pieces of it is already owned by us. Like we already have the trademarks for it. So we don't want to just give that up willy nilly. So you got to read your agreements. But licensing is a way to leverage something that you own. You can rent it. You can you can you can do almost anything that's legal under contract law (laughs) where you're at. So it gives you a way to consistently make revenue from an asset that you own, asset being training, your image, or any number of things. Thank you. Thank you for giving everyone the context and clarity. I just know, look, people out here are like me and we take notes and they circled that one and they were like, wait a second, what was what was that little tidbit about? So I'm glad that you were able to close the loop on that for us, for sure. Yeah, it's it can get complicated too. You have exclusive, non-exclusive, all types of things, but basically I think of it as like you know, renting something that you own. Mm-hmm. It's not technically renting, but like for the purposes of the conversation, you're essentially giving them that access. I gotcha. So with that in mind, look, there's a lot of nuance to this and I feel like you guys have heard it. And although we gave you tons of takeaways, tons of, tons of tangible information and action steps, like did y'all hear when she said um, her VA, her admin person was helping her casually pitch 300 people a week? Um, that did not just slip through my ears. I caught that number. <laughs> I was like, now wait a second. I thought Tim was doing something. Let's revisit <laughs> this conversation. <laughs> 
So for people who are just really pumped about this and they want to start this speaking journey in earnest and really put their best foot forward, what is the best way to connect with you, connect with your companies and make sure that they're supported in the way that they need? And also just like, you know, hang out on the internet streets, wherever it is that you hang out. Yeah, definitely. Well, join me in the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group. Tons of goodies there. I go live in the group. Um, there's always something going on in that group. And then if you're someone who's like, I want to dip my toe in, I don't want to wait a year, 10 years or six months, then you should for sure join our free Pitch Your Way to Cash Challenge. It's a free three-day challenge where you can literally start learning the foundational elements of pitching. And I'll teach you how to do a LinkedIn pitch, an email pitch, and generally get your pitch life together. Because that's a foundational element of this. How do you present your value? And that's what we cover in the three-day Pitch Your Way to Cash Challenge. And it's literally no risk. So you can just go to www.speakyourwaytocash.com slash pitch, um, www.speakyourwaytocash.com slash pitch and sign up. Look, y'all, literally just go do it. Like that's the perfect way to dip your toes in. She had it ready for you. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ashley. It was truly a pleasure. We could have kept talking for like another hour, but I'm gonna respect your time and let you go. So everyone knows where to find you, but we really, really appreciate you just coming in and dropping all the speaking wisdom on us today. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much.